Hello, I'm Rachel Lyman. We want to welcome you to Interfaith Connection, a Spiritual Life Center monthly podcast dedicated to the exploration of faith traditions that promote love. Our study will allow us to build bridges of understanding, acceptance, love, and peace. My partner in so many ways on this journey is Rev. Dave Lyman. He's our Senior Minister for Interfaith Explorers. He's an ordained interfaith minister and my beloved husband. As we start our second year, we continue our grand adventure of exploring interfaith. We're so excited you have joined us today. So buckle up for our 2022 adventure with today's podcast. Hello, this is Rachel Lyman, and this month in September, we're going to be exploring the oneness symbol. Uh, many of us who have been around for a while know all about it, but some people don't know anything about it. So we thought it would be an interesting podcast to do. And with me today is my devoted senior minister for Interfaith Explorers, Reverend Dave Lyman. So, Dave, I understand you're going to start us off today. Why, hi, Rachel. How are you? I'm and hello fine. to everybody out in podcast world. Hey, we want to take a second before we get started and just we are filled with gratitude for the fact that you listen, because we have to tell you there are sometimes we sit at our kitchen table and go, is anybody out there listening? And our numbers are showing that you are. So this month, we decided that we're going to take a look at the oneness symbol. And, and let's talk about that. It's a symbol that's a deep part of the Sacramento region and, and especially a deep part of Spiritual Life Center. We're going to explore the oneness jewelry pieces. They've often been called the peace symbol of the 21st century. And we're going to explore how this symbol ended up at Spiritual Life Center. We're going to look at each symbol on the piece of jewelry, its meaning, and its origins. So take a moment, because we're going to go back into the archives of Reverend Michael and Faith Moran. We're going back to 1983, when they were both ministerial students. One day, Michael discovered a mimeographed copy of the oneness symbol thumbtacked to a wall at Unity Village in Missouri. He loved the piece of jewelry and he secretly bought one and presented it to Faith. And then she loved it so much that they both started buying them and giving them to people. The artist, Isaac Stolsis, called them after a few months and said, who are you people, and why are you buying all my jewelry? From that, a loving friendship was born and grew to the point that when Isaac passed away in the early 90s, his widow, Frida, assigned the copyright to Reverend Michael and Faith. She asked them to spread Isaac's dream to the world. The symbol itself was a result of Isaac being a Jewish-American child born in the 1920s. Part of his growing up years occurred in Palestine, among friends of lots of different backgrounds and faiths. When the state of Israel was created in May of 1948, suddenly Isaac was told that his Palestine childhood friends were now his enemies 
his adversaries. And it didn't make sense to Isaac. In the 1970s, Isaac's daughter asked him to design a peace symbol and put it together as a necklace for her. He created the oneness symbol. He created it to communicate that we are all one. We just take different paths to be with our personal vision of spirit. In 2001, Michael and Faith started an organization to sell the jewelry, and the rest is history. Rachel and I wanted to take it one step further. We wanted to explore in this podcast each of the symbols contained on the jewelry and explore each symbol as to what it is, where it came from, and what it symbolizes so that you get a chance when you see it to have a little more knowledge about it. So let's get started. Because I started out, I'm going to go first. And I'm going to start with the Egyptian Ankh, which is circa 3000 BC. It has been called the key of the Nile. In Egyptian writing, the Ankh represents the word for life. It's a symbol for life itself. The Ankh, which is spelled A-N-K-H, has a cross shape but with a teardrop-shaped loop in place of the vertical upper bar. The earliest origins of the symbol are not known. The writing signs mean mirror, floral bouquet, and life. It was especially commonly held in the hands of ancient Egyptian deities in icons and wall art all through Egypt. In Egypt, belief, life was a force that circulated throughout the world. Life showed up at the creation of the world, and the sign represented the power to bestow life. So many depictions showed the gods giving the Ankh signs to humans. So when the Pharaoh was shown receiving the Ankh, it represented the gods receiving life and giving life to the entire nation. The Ankh was used decoratively more than any other hieroglyphic sign. The sign appeared commonly in the decoration of architectural forms throughout Egyptian buildings. Amulets made in the shape of the Ankh were meant to impart to the wearer the qualities of life. It was everywhere. Now, over to you, Rachel, as you share a symbol from the Oneness Jewelry. Well, thank you, Dave. And I'm going to start out with the symbol for Christianity, which is right, if you look at the Oneness symbol, is right sort of on top of the Ankh, uh, down the middle of the Oneness symbol. And it, the nickname for this particular symbol is the cross. And it's been around since 30 A.D., now, a cross is, most of us know what it is, but it's a geometrical figure consisting of two intersecting lines or bars, usually perpendicular to each other. So the lines run vertically and horizontally. Well, a cross is a principal symbol of the Christian religion, recalling the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, 
and the redeeming benefits of this passion and death of his passion. The resurrection was a sign of Christ's victory over sin and death. Well, I was raised Presbyterian, and, and the cross in the Presbyterian church did not have a crucified Christ on it. But then, um, so they focused on the risen Christ. Later, when I became Catholic, the Catholic cross does have the crucified cross, Christ on it. And I was continually reminded, reminded by that cross that Christ died for our sins. And so we needed to take Holy Communion as often as possible. And when we did, we, we had the promise of forgiveness and eternal life. For Christians, the cross had a deep meaning. They understood Christ's death on the cross, and um, his, but the, his resurrection was also very important. So believers could share in this victory by being baptized, forgiven of past sin, and reborn into new life in the Christian community. Um, they also often used the uh, Christ cross both as the wood of life and as a victorious cross. However, sometimes the cross has taken some darker, darker meanings as a symbol of persecution, violence, and, and even racism. In the early 4th century, Emperor Constantine legalized Christianity. He authorized the evacuation of some of the holy sites of Christ's life in what came to be called the Holy Land. And at that time, it was part of the Roman province of Syria, Palestinia, bracketed by the Jordan River to the east and the Mediterranean Sea to the west and Syria to the north. By the fifth century, the legend arose that pieces of crosses were uncovered by Constantine's mother, Helena, during these excavations. So believers said miraculous healing took place once when a sick woman touched one of the pieces of a wood cross that they had excavated. So on to you for the next symbol. Thanks, Rachel. Thanks for sharing. That was interesting, especially for the fact that I grew up Catholic. I will now put a place on the jewelry which represents Hinduism. It is the Om, O-M or Om, A-U-M. And the circa is 3000 BC. Om is the sound of a sacred spiritual symbol. It's one of the most important spiritual symbols, and it refers to Atman, self within, and Brahman, ultimate reality. The symbol is often found at the beginning and end of chapters in the Vedas and other holy Hindu texts. It is a sacred spiritual incantation made before and during the recitation of spiritual texts, including during puja. Puja is a worship ritual performed in Hinduism. It is a devotional homage and prayer to a deity, to a host, or to celebrate something. It has some history in Sanskrit roots. In the Sacramento area, we do landscaping volunteering at Vandanta, and they hold pujas periodically. Om is a tool for meditation. It's mentioned in mystical texts. It is layers 
throughout the texts. And the symbol is so widespread that it's thought to stand for the whole of Veda. It's a sacred sound of the universe, the ultimate reality that unifies everything. It is visualized as a combination of curves, a crescent, and a dot. The letter A represents the waking state. The letter U represents the dream state. And the letter M represents deep sleep. In the symbol, the waking state is the bottom curve, the dream state is the middle curve, and the state of deep sleep represents the upper curve. This is a profound symbol used throughout the Hindu world. So back over to you, Rachel, and another symbol from oneness jewelry. Thank you, Dave. And I want to mention that, that the, the symbol you just talked about, Hinduism, is located, uh, if you look at the oneness symbol, on the cross, upper left-hand side is kind of sitting up on top of the uh, cross beam of the uh, Christian cross. Now, on the other side is a symbol uh, called a yin and yang. And uh, it's located at... Uh, uh, many people already know about that, but it's been around since 511 BCE. So the yin and yang is a symbol which uh, is tied to the Taoism philosophy. And um, it's, it's a symbol within a symbol, within a circle, I'm sorry. So there, within the circle, there are two teardrop-like swirls, a black swirl, and a white swirl, and each swirl overlaps and overlays into the other. At the thicker end of each teardrop swirl is a small dot, a white dot on the black swirl, and a black dot on the white swirl. And both the dots are located above and below one another in the middle of the circle. So the definition of this symbol is one of harmony, and it reminds us that life is a balancing act and most fulfilling when we learn to embrace its dualities. It originates from an ancient Chinese philosophy, which talks about how opposite forces are seen as interconnected and counterbalancing. And it was also used as an ancient Chinese timekeeping system. Um, and, and they used a pole to measure the changing lengths of shadows over the solar year. The yang begins at the winter solstice and indicates the beginning of the period when daylight dominates over darkness and thus is associated with the sun. The yin begins at the summer solstice and represents the dominance of darkness over daylight and is associated with the moon. So the yin and yang are fundamentally connected with the annual cycle of the earth around the sun and the resulting four seasons. So in addition to the yin and yang symbol, at the basis of the Taoist philosophy, is it, the, the yin-yang symbol is also important in Chinese medicine and in Chinese feng shui. And I thought it was fascinating that of all our explorations of 
faith traditions and philosophies that here, here again, it's all tied into the moon and the sun and its cycles. So over to you. Thanks. Man, there's a lot on this jewelry. I now want to move to the Buddhist symbol on the jewelry. It is called the Triple Treasure and is from the circa of 500 BC. For some 2,500 years in all forms of Buddhism, becoming a formal Buddhist entails the following. You make the following statement. I take refuge in the Buddha. I take refuge in the Dharma. I take refuge in the Sangha. These three terms are known collectively as the three jewels, the triple gem. Thus, the symbol is a tree with three circles, one on the left, one on the top, and one on the right. So let's look at the three treasures. The first jewel piece is the Buddha. It signifies the fulfillment of enlightenment, which is truly safe and secure. It represents the Buddha coming down from the Bodha tree and being asked, what are you, Mister? Are you a god? And he said, no. Are you a guru? And he said, no. Then what are you, Master? And he looked at them and said, I am awake. The second jewel on the symbol is the Dharma. The Dharma are the teachings of the Buddha. The Dharma is symbolized by the wheel and teaches that Buddhists follow the four noble truths. If you follow the four noble truths, they will give you refuge. The third jewel is the Sangha. The Sangha originally denoted monks and nuns and teachers of Buddhism, but then it was widened to denote any group that joins together to practice or meditate on the teachings of Buddhism. It had to come to that point because there are so many different types of Buddhism. None with major differences, but all with subtle differences. So even in the Sacramento region, we have a Vietnamese Buddhist temple. We have a Tibetan Buddhist temple. So we have many different ways to worship the Buddha. But in all of them, it embraces kinship in all parts of life. And it's interesting because on the symbol, he uses a tree. And on other parts, I use wheels and different forms. But in all of them, there are three dots to represent the triple gem. So to become a formal Buddhist, we are making a commitment to take refuge and shelter from life. It is about committing ourselves to freedom through the Buddha, through the Dharma, and through the Sangha. 
And so, Rachel, one more time. Back to you, girl. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, Dave. And I uh, want to let people know if you're looking at the oneness symbol, the Buddhist uh, symbol that Dave just explained is actually right below the yin-yang, which I talked about earlier. And if you look at the, still looking at the symbol to the left of that, on the other side of the Christian cross, uh, uh, let's see, vertical uh, piece, is a partial symbol of Judaism. It's, it's uh, on the left-hand side is below the um, Hindu, Hindu uh, symbol as well. So anyway, let's take a look at that. So it's called the Star of David, and it's been around since the 1300 BC. And in Hebrew, it's also called Megan David, or the Shield of David. And Megan sometimes is spelled Mogan, M-O-G-E-N. This is a, a Jewish symbol composed of two overlaid equilateral triangles that form a six pointed star. So on the one symbol, you only see a portion of that uh, six-pointed star. And it appears on synagogues, Jewish tombstones, and the flag of the state of Israel. Though today the symbol popularly communicates Jewishness, David's shield and the seal of Solomon its associations with Judaism are, are newer than one might think. Some historians trace it to Jewish communities in the Middle Ages, but these claims are neither fully substantiated nor widely accepted. What we do know is that in the 17th century, the Jewish quarter of Vienna was marked with a hexagram to distinguish it from the rest of the city. And around that time, the star also became part of synagogue architecture, both in Europe and in the Middle East and North Africa. Well, in the 20th century, the star became more evocative of Judaism when it was used by the Nazis to mark Jews for persecution. And after the Holocaust, the same star became part of the flag of the state of Israel. So what is, exactly does it symbolize? Well, many explanations have been suggested, but none is really universally accepted, according to my research. According to the Zohar, Z-O-H-A-R, a medieval book of Jewish mysticism, the six points of the star represents the six male sefirot, that's S-E-F-I-R-O-T, which are uh, which means attributes of God, in union with the seventh sefirah, S-E-F-I-R-A-H, of the of the female attributes, and, and that's at the center of the shape. Well, a more modern existentialist commentary on the Star of David was advanced by the philosopher Franz Rosenwig, in The Star of Redemption, which he wrote on postcards during World War I. Rosenwig described two interlo interlocking triangles, the corners of one representing creation, revelation, and redemption, 
and the corners of the other representing man, the world, and God. Today, the Star of David is incorporated into Jewish jewelry design, and it's also commonly found on Jewish objects, from kiddosh cups to mezuhahs and kippot, and in some Jewish communities, the Star of David is engraved on coffins. In Israel, it is the equivalent of the Red Cross and is called Megan David Adam, the Red Star of David. So on to you, Dave. Thanks, Rachel, for that wonderful sharing. And we want to finish the symbols today with the last symbol on the oneness jewelry, which represents Islam. It is the star and crescent from circa 622 AD. And of course, I always let you guys just try to figure out where it is, but I'm going to stop for a minute and have Rachel explain where it is on the jewelry. Well, on the jewelry, the star is not shown because it's taken up by the Buddhist symbol. So if you look at the Buddhist symbol, the crescent is surrounding the Buddhist symbol. But the star, which is normally part of the Islam symbol, is not shown. It's like I said, it's covered up by the Buddhist symbol. Thank you. On the uh, far lower right hand side of the symbol. And the interesting part about it is the star and the crescent are associated with Islam, but do not have spiritual connection to the faith. The symbol is not used in any rituals but it has come to identify the faith. It was started as a counter emblem to the cross. And because of that, there have been many thoughts about what it is about. The Quran includes a chapter that states, the crescent moon is a harbinger of the day of judgment. That the star is a god worshiped by pagans. The five-pointed star that is the star that is shown is thought to symbolize the five pillars of Islam. Today, many of the mosques that have been built have a crescent moon on top. The star and crescent remain the prominent symbol of Islam. However, in this situation, Islam is a faith tradition which uses this symbol that came from historical situations and different methods. While the Islamic faith doesn't subscribe to these symbols, the star and crescent remain Islam's most well-known unofficial symbol and a part of the faith tradition. Whenever you see a mosque, you will see a star and a crescent. So, Rachel, today, one of the things we try have tried to do is to make sure that people understand this wondrous piece of oneness jewelry. Isaac Stoltz's dream, based on the fact that Gandhi had said, until we have peace among the world religions, there will not be peace in the world. 
And the other statement saying it would be a good, friendly thing to have a study of the world religions. It is part of our vision and dream as interfaith explorers. So as we come near the end of this, I will interspace with Rachel here and there. But I'm going to ask Rachel to summarize our sharing today, the part these symbols play in our lives, <clears throat> where they are in the marketplace. Because today's podcast relates to the study of interfaith, the study of other faith traditions. I'm going to kind of do it aside before I turn it over to Rachel and remind you, we have some wondrous faith tradition field trips coming up before the end of the year. Make sure you subscribe to our newsletter so you know what it is we're doing. It is the reason and way I know what we are doing as a senior minister and just trying to keep up with my interfaith guru. And so I turn it over to my interfaith guru as she does some things, and then I'll have a few more words. So thank you, Dave. Thank you for that. And, and I hope people enjoyed the presentation of interesting details on some of the symbols that uh, unless you do research on it, you really don't even know about them. You kind of know what they are. So in my in the September newsletter, which will be coming out the end of a month, um, I'm going to start a column, um, and it's going to be. Did you know what did you know? Did you know that? And then uh, we're going to put the oneness information in there as well. So today, just um, for those of you who've been listening, here's a test for you. Can you name the seven? major religions and philosophies, symbols that are on the oneness symbol. Come on, let's let's do it right away. Go. Okay, there's the Egyptian Ankh, which represents ancient traditions. Next. Christian cross. Next. Taoism. Next. Buddhism. Next. Islam. Next. Hinduism. Was that seven? Judaism. Oh, there you go. There we go. And we do want to make sure that you are aware that these are seven major religions that Isaac chose. There are a number of other faith traditions that we've talked about, such as the Baha'i and different ones, who are not on this jewelry. And so it is not a jewelry that limits world religions. It's just chose seven that he felt need to work together for peace. Right. And, um, well, where can we find the oneness symbol today? If you attend service services or an event at Spiritual Life Center, which is located 2201 Parktown Circle in Sacramento off of Butano and Watt Avenue area, uh, you're going to find a large oneness symbol in the round window behind the altar in the sanctuary. And that was uh, painted by, I believe, Diana Mandala. I'm going to give her credit for that because that's, I believe that's who did it. If not, I apologize to the art, other artists who did it. But um, so you'll find it there. You can also go find the oneness symbol uh, on our website, Spiritual Life Center at www slcworld 
org, and it's always on our website. And now, can you? Some of us have been around a while when Michael and Faith were. I had a, a large in, inventory of the solstice jewelry, so we purchased uh, gold pendants and silver pendants, and I rings of the oneness symbol. And uh, so if you wear it, I, I I don't know about you, Dave, but I've had some fascinating experiences when I've had the symbol, the pendant on, people will just out and about in the community will come up to me and say, what is that symbol? What does that mean? You know? And so a lot of times we'll say today, it's the peace symbol for the 21st century. And, and then you, now you have to do your homework if you're going to end up purchasing a pendant because you'll have to know what those seven <laughs> symbols are. It would be helpful if you knew them ahead of time. So we're trying to give you some information so you know that. And then I did find out that um, uh, although most of the jewelry has been purchased and is gone, we do have a very small inventory left. And if you're interested in, in looking at um, um, some of the jewelry, you can go to uh, contact uh, Spiritual Life Center at www.slcworld.org and ask and let them know that you're interested in maybe purchasing some oneness jewelry. Uh, there's also a, a former congregant, um, Stephanie Guillory. And when the oneness symbol was kind of phasing out the jewelry, she got permission to start a business to sell oneness interfaith stoles and altar cloth. Well, let me reframe that a little bit, Rachel. Actually, uh -huh. Stephanie Gilroy represented the oneness symbol through SLC for a number of years and was the president of the foundation that was um, attached to Spiritual Life Center to sell the jewelry. And okay. when the um, decision was made by the family and the Frida had passed away, Stephanie wanted to continue because she had expanded it into stoles and other merchandise, candles. And um, she negotiated with the family and has uh, gone on from there as a representative of a of that company that she's always been a part of, but now it's an independent company that Stephanie runs. And also, if you, uh, I'll give you her website because uh, her website is Oneness Interfaith. That's all one word. O n e n e s s i n t e r f a i t h dot com. That's onenessinterfaith dot com. And that at Stephanie's uh, website. She also has the story that Dave just told about Isaac Solstice, the artist who do, who created this uh, oneness symbol, and also uh, the explanation of where the symbols are located on the oneness symbol, which we just uh, went uh, over in our presentation. So, um, and then, um, yeah, I, I think it, it would be something to look into if you're... Um, what we found is when I'm wearing the oneness jewelry and someone we get to talking to somebody about it, it's another way of building peace and bridges between faith traditions, 
between people and giving people education uh, so they they can maybe explore on their own the different faith traditions that are on this oneness symbol. So um, we're grateful uh, for Isaac Solstice and, and bringing another, like I, we said, another peace symbol that we can use to start conversations between people. We've also had it be a big part of our personal life. Uh, through the years, we have had a number of altar cloths made with the symbol. And at one point in time, uh, the symbol, um, I'll let Rachel tell the story of the symbol and the Parliament of World Religions. But we have uh, shared the altar cloths with different churches, Unity of Roseville, Unity of Lower Lake, where we've gifted them one of the altar cloths. And when we got married, we actually had an altar cloth with the oneness symbol and the word God on top and our names on either side, because of course, um, I come second in Rachel's life as she doesn't mind, because of course God takes precedence. Um, and thank you. Can you tell, share the story of the parliament? I will, and thank you for reminding me of that. When I was a champion of the interfaith ministry in 2010 at Spiritual Life Center, uh, one of our congregants uh, was an interfaith minister, and she was going to attend the Parliament of World Religions, uh, which was going to take place at that time in Australia uh, or New Zealand. I forgot which It was one. Melbourne, Australia. Uh, okay, Australia. And so um, Dave and I got together and we we did, we asked, we had an altar cloth made with the one symbol on it. And I believe Spiritual Life Center, I'll have to look at it to see what actually was on it. So we asked this woman who was going to the parliament to take the cloth with her to um gain the energy and and uh, from that particular world religions uh, with the altar cloth, take it with her and, and have it be present at that particular wonderful um, event. And so uh, at the very, when it came time for her to go, she got sick and she says, oh, I won't be able to take the altar cloth, but she says, I have a, um, a friend who's also an interfaith minister who lives in New York going to Australia. <laughs> so we somehow managed to get the altar cloth. She, she, we gave her the cloth and she managed to get it to her, her person in New York. And that person took it to Australia. So we finally got it back um, uh, months later and it was infused with the energy of that world religions. So in 2015, there was another Parliament of World Religions in Salt Lake City, and Dave and I uh, went, and he orchestrated the, we had over 30 people that we helped get there from this region, from California and, and, and SLC region. And we took that altar cloth there, the same altar cloth, to that World Religions also. And I had it on my lap. I tearing up over there. I had it on my lap when they did the opening ceremony for that 2015 World Parliament of World Religions. So that altar cloth is now back in our possession, of course, but it has the energies from two Parliament of World Religions. We're very proud of that. 
So thank you for sharing that, David. It's pretty powerful. It's a, you know, a powerful peace symbol. And uh, just one more piece of the puzzle, folks, trying to build some peace out there. So we thank you so much for listening today. And Dave, I thank you for the research you did and, and we putting this together. And we hope that you will take away with you whatever it is that strikes you, whether you want to go to SLC and take a closer look at that one symbol, maybe contact SLC and maybe purchase something or not, doesn't matter, or go to Gil, uh, Stephanie's website and learn more about it as well. I'm going to put some more information about what we've done here in the newsletter as well, so you'll have that if you subscribe to our newsletter. So thank you so much. And um, we do have a, like Dave said, October 10th, uh, 7th on a Friday is Kim Quang Interfaith uh, Field Trip. Starts at 5.30 on the pro property. They'll give us a tour of the grounds. And then at seven o'clock, we'll go inside and participate in the walking meditation. And that information is at SLC's website, slcworld.org. Click on Connect, Interfaith Explorers page, and you'll find a way to connect to uh, sign up for that. So thank you so much for that. And for those of you who don't know, uh, Kim Quang is a Vietnamese temple um, located on Alta Arden, and it is a piece of uh, serenity and a haven of quiet in the midst of the residential area there with many rocks and statues brought uh, from Vietnam and a beautiful, beautiful temple. Um, so join us. Yes, and we, we took a group there in 2015 and they all loved it. So everyone's welcome, family, friends, whatever. Um, Let's see. So next uh, next month, uh, we'll have. Um, I'm hoping to have a special guest, and in um, November we're going to be honored by the Darshana uh, Hindu traveling exhibit. It's a cultural and religious exhibit of uh, th thirty some odd panels uh, explaining their various uh, faith and their culture. And it's traveling the United States, and that will be at SLC uh, on November 10th, I believe it is. More news to follow on that. Yeah, and it'll, if you ever have any questions about anything, contact me, Rachel, R-A-C-H-E-L 24 at surewest.net or interfaith at slcworld.org. Either one of those will get to us. She's so the best <laughs> boss I've ever worked for. <laughs> thank you again, Dave, and thank you so much, everyone. And remember, whatever peace symbols that you can comment, keep building those bridges, and namaste. Namaste. Thank you for joining us today to experience and explore a deeper understanding of our interfaith look at the world. Our Interfaith Connection podcasts are aired on the fourth Thursday of each month on Spiritual Life Center's website. You can also find them on your internet provider on the Podbean app. 
We want to hear from you, so send any comments, questions, or suggestions about our podcast to interfaith at slcworld.org. That's interfaith at slcworld.org. Because we want to know about your interfaith heart. As I close, let us all remember the words of Gandhi when he said, a peaceful exploration of all faiths is our sacred duty. Namaste.